Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Amen and amen. Well, hey, church, I trust everybody's doing well. And I know everybody here at Lakeland would like to say a big hello to all of our other campuses. Can we give it up to our other campuses? Hey, we're so glad to have you in the room. And we also want to say to everyone watching online, you are our biggest campus. People watch from all over the world and here locally as well. And we just want to say hello. And we also want to invite everyone who's watching locally. you got three options to come worship with us physically anytime you want. Uh, whether it's there in Fondren and Dooling Hall or here at Lakeland or over there at Highland Colony. Uh, it's just so fun what God's doing. But we're so thankful to have you watch and so thankful to have you uh, just take the time to connect with what God's doing here through Word of Life. And I want to encourage everyone at all of our existing campuses, those who are, are coming physically, uh, we have so many new people who are coming to all of our campuses. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, but one thing we need more of at each campus is people who are joining our serve team. Uh, serve um, and that value of serve makes up the heart of the serve team, and it's where people are leveraging their time, their talents, um, and their availability for the kingdom of God. Um, and there's so much that makes church happen. I mean, there's people who run the lights, and people who run the screens, and people behind the cameras, and people who are at each campus making sure that camera feed gets to all of you who are at the other campuses. There are people who are literally, like right now, there are people who are holding our kids and praying over them. Amen. Like right now, we literally have people who are teaching our children uh, biblical truths, uh, having fun with them in an environment to open up their hearts to receive the message of Jesus. Like right now, that's happening because someone is leveraging their time, their talent, um, and their availability for the kingdom of God. We have people who greet uh, we have people who make coffee, make pizzas. My son um, makes a lot of the pizzas here at the, Highland, uh, at the uh, Lakeland campus, um, and he makes a pretty good pizza. Like, we had a pizza cook-off the other night, and I'm like, you've had too much practice. Uh, he won. Uh, but uh, anyway, no matter what your gifting may be, there is a serve team that swore you. If they given an organization, like, we need you on our usher teams. Gift of leadership, we need you in all our departments. Gift of, of uh, you know, making food, or you just like eating food, go to the cafe. Uh, you'll be a great customer as well as uh, serving food to others, um, especially in our child care departments. Um, one of the things that's been big in my heart is establishing the kingdom of God in the lives of our children. And it's one of the things, honestly, we never ask for. And I, I often feel like I have not pastored you well in that. And I, I feel like for, for a lot of you, can I be honest? I feel like a lot of times, because of my lack of asking to make people uncomfortable, I have created consumers versus disciples. Uh, people who come into a church and consume what the church has for free. Uh, but a disciple is someone who, yes, they consume. Like, I, I need spiritual strength to live my life and run my race. 
But a disciple is someone who takes that strength and begins to give that strength unto others. And that's what all of our values are designed to do, is to put you in a position where you have enough strength to go and share your faith. To put you in a position where you realize, I need to leave my friends and connect with Christian ones. (laughs) Uh, To put you in a position where you're spiritually strong enough to be able to partner and put your trust in God financially. Uh, to put you in a position where you genuinely esteem someone else's church's experience above your own. And you take on the the heart of Christ, according to Philippians 2, and become a servant and esteem, well, somebody else is coming to church here, let me help clean up and organize. Someone else is coming to church here, let me watch their kid this Sunday. Someone else is coming to church. And like if everybody does that, it frees us up to be the church that God has called us to be. But honestly, like in our child care departments, we have a lot of people, like literally every single week, they never leave those departments. They're in there every Sunday and never in church, serving our church so incredibly well uh, that if we could leverage that with people who would come and be like, hey, I want to take a Sunday. And the first Sunday of every month, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, for love of Jesus and love of what Jesus is doing in the lives of children, but also love for my fellow neighbor to get them out of a classroom and in a service, uh, out of love for them. Like, I will leverage my time and I will leverage my talents because the greatest among us is the servant of all. And I know that that is incredibly challenging for us because I think the truest test of generosity for our day and age is not our money. It's our time. We have so much that's asking for our time now, from our phones to our work schedules. We can take work home anywhere to all of these things pulling on our time. That to come and like take the time to get in a huddle and find community and serve in a local church, like that's asking a lot of us now. But I'll remind you where there is no sacrifice, there is no worship. Um, and when there is an acceptable sacrifice, what makes, accept, what makes the sacrifice acceptable is it is a sacrifice. And so if it costs you something in the kingdom of God, it is an act of worship. And, and it's something that brings pleasure to the Lord, but also the expanse of his kingdom. And so I do want to ask all, and I know that's strong, but like I said, sometimes it's like, I feel like I'm too nice uh, you know, and, and, and out of that, I'm not doing you any service by being overly nice. Um, sometimes there needs to be a challenge. Like if you go to the gym, they're like, oh, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Um, you know, sometimes you need to just like that, that little push. And I would encourage you, uh, leverage. And, and some of you, you're not at a place to do that. And that's okay. It's like I was talking about in like walking in love with family. A lot of times we need to build up the strength to walk in the kind of love that we need to walk in. And we're not ready to have those conversations yet. But the goal is if church is working well, we're getting enough strength where now I can begin engaging in in being the disciple of Jesus that God has called me to be. And Jesus said, if you're called to be my disciple, let me wash your feet. Um, But then let let me so teach you how to wash that, that I'm willing to wash your feet that you begin to have a heart so strongly for one another that you will take off the shoes of your neighbor and you will wash theirs too. And right now, you need to be washed, but the reason why I'm washing you is to teach you how to wash others as well. And I understand for so many of us, like sometimes we're coming from other places or coming from the world or maybe even coming from another church and it's like we're served out, like pastor, need a break. I get it, I've been there myself. And so we need to have moments where like we're washed by the word 
and like genuinely clean from a past season and now ready for a new one. But in my Christian walk, me taking the time to serve, I promise you, it opens up doors that nothing else can open. Um, in my own life, and as a pastor, I wrestled with this because it's like everything I do for ministry, I kind of get paid for. Like as a pastor, I'm paid to like, you know, pastor. Uh, and so that's ministry all the time. And the Lord dealt with me and he's like, everybody needs somebody and something to serve. Everybody, everybody needs something and somebody to serve. I'm like, well, great. I'm like, I'll preach that. He's like, but who are you serving? <laughs> and, and what are you serving? And I'm like, I don't know. Like everything at the church I get paid to do, technically. I mean, I, I would hope I go above and beyond the call of duty and, you know, pastor well. But I guess at the end of the day, though, it still benefits me if it works well. Like if, if I serve this well and it helps more people, it, it benefits me. And so I'm like, no, that doesn't work. And so the Lord linked me up with churches here locally um, that I will go and help them with their facilities, and I will go and help them manage their books. I called him payroll uh, for many years for the church, so I'm very good at that, and that's something I can take off some pastor's plates. And then for our missionaries, um, um, the Lord has called us to self-sacrifice, and for me to self-sacrifice, and to take my time. Um, like, I've been to India this year, I've been to Turkey this year, uh, I'm going to Colombia in December. Uh, and go there and leverage my time. I don't get paid for that. I pay my own way um, and uh, go and be a blessing because everybody needs somebody and something to serve. And honestly, I can look back at key moments of my life when I served beyond what was expected of me and link back to like it did something in me spiritually. Almost every time I'm on a missions trip, I hear from God about something. And I don't think it's because I'm on a missions trip just per se. I think it's because I'm serving. And then also I look back at like some things that God did in the church, like just boom, paid off something. And God making something happen for me that I couldn't have made happen for myself. I look back at key moments of sacrificial serving. And uh, once again, I'm, I, 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 I haven't done this in any of the services. I just feel compelled to do that in this one. And so I think it's because maybe somebody here needs it uh, or at Highland Colony or online or something, but like... I genuinely sense as if, uh, one, it's time for that for so many of you uh, to take that step into serving. Uh, but then secondly, like God's really trying to not just get you to do something. I, I preached on this in Alabama. This was one, I had a pastor friend of mine who's a missionary as well. And he's like, will you come preach for me? That's why I was out in Danny Romick, John's brother. It's so funny. The other day somebody came up to me and they're like, tell uh, John his son did really well. <laughs> Talking about Danny, his brother. I just had a blast with that. I'm so out of that. Uh, anyway, that Sunday, I had actually been asked to go preach uh, for a pastor friend of mine uh, who's a missionary in Alabama, and he also has a work there in India. Um, that was um, a sacrifice um, for, for me to do that. Uh, but he's one of the people that God has told me, when he asks for water, you go to the well. Um, and so anytime he's ever made a request now in 15 years, I've never told him no. Um, we make it happen, Captain. Um, and out of that, like, there are, there are people like that and moments like that and things like that that just God sets up. But I was preaching there, and I was talking about uh, this, and I never said this before publicly, and I never quite uh, majored on it. But I'm like, God's not in the business of giving you instruction. Like, when we hear from God, we think he's just trying to tell us to do something. 
Uh, and it's like, serve, do it. Uh, tithe, do it. Like, give, forgive, do it. God's not in the business of instruction. He's in the business of guidance. And instruction wants compliance. Guidance is trying to take you somewhere. Oh, come on, somebody. Um, guidance is, is when you have a guide, they're trying to take you somewhere. And the way they take you somewhere is through instruction. Um, but all throughout the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, his instruction is not do this. His instruction is guidance because the, the Holy Spirit is trying to take your life somewhere. He's trying to get you in position, which is why, like, the key to miracles is what? First miracle Jesus ever did was what? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why? Because he's not giving you instruction. He's trying to turn water into wine. Like, he's trying to work a miracle in your own life. So you see it as God telling you to do something. God sees it as, I'm trying to get you somewhere, and I can't get you there without you listening to me to take you. Come, I'm preaching better than your amen. Come on, somebody. Uh, so out of this, like if that's hitting you, like if that's hitting you, God's not trying to give you instruction. It's not like another thing to do on a Sunday morning. It's like God's not trying to give you instruction. God's trying to give you guidance. And that guidance is designed by God to take you somewhere. Amen? And so at all of our campuses uh, tonight uh, at 5 p.m., if you're, and you don't have to wait for this. If you so, like, you know what? Forget it. I want to serve right now. Like, I just want to serve. Uh, you can go and you can tell our, our visitor centers out there when you're exiting, just say, sign me up. I want to serve. Uh, but if you want to come tonight to hear all of the opportunities at your campuses and here even at Lakeland of like the opportunities that exist for those who want to serve, um, at 5 p.m. we have food, so we'll feed you. And then show you all the, the ministries. Because I think there are so many serve teams people have no clue about. Uh, like bringing out the television. And some of you are like, how does that come out? When you pray, we have volunteers who come and roll the television. We, we need production team members. We need people managing lights. Uh, we need all kinds of people on our serve teams. And so at 5 p.m., there's like an open house where you get to see all those opportunities and meet some of those leaders. And then as well... Uh, we will feed you because we love you uh, and want you to have a good time. So you can do that at five. But I, I think also one of the things that you'll find on our serve teams is just community. And I promise you, like, I don't care how good a preaching you hear. If you don't change your friends, you'll never change your life. You need good Christian community. And yes, we can clap for that. You need it. You need it. It's not good for people to be alone. Uh, and so this is a great way for you to find people among common interests and, and have some really great relationships as well. Amen. All that was for free. None of that was the message. And you're the only service that got that. So congratulations. I pray the Holy Spirit was saying something in that. Go over to Exodus 15 and we will we'll preach on these passages of Scripture. I have had it so big in my heart that so many people are discouraged. And um, if I dare say, offended. Um, that what they have desired to see in themselves and in life is so far off from the way they want it to be that they've quit trying to make it that way. And I just sensed as if today the Lord wanted me to go after that. 
Uh, Paul said, I press after my high calling. Like, I, I press after it. And I think there are moments in our lives where, I don't know, maybe it's just a me thing, but there are moments where we get glimpses of what life could be. And not just of what life could be, but who we could be. And with the, the help of God, we go after it. And with passion, we go after it. And we contend for it. And this is how we fight our battles. And we come in worship and we contend for it. And we desire to see progress. And then we go out there in the world and we're not seeing it. Like we're still wrestling with the same junk you may have been wrestling with two years ago. And you thought this year would be different. Or you've been praying for God to intervene like on this one thing, but it's like, where is God in this moment? Like I'm praying and I'm asking for this to change and I'm not seeing it change. And I just sense so strongly that the Lord sent me on assignment this weekend to just attack that and to just go after that with the help of the Holy Spirit using, it, using Exodus 15. Exodus 15 is a marvelous chapter in Scripture. The children of Israel have just been released. There has been an enemy in their life that has held them captive for most of their adult life. Well, really, for all of their lives. And it has just let them go. And they're celebrating. They have crossed the Red Sea, walked across on dry ground, and then the very thing that would not let them go was swallowed up by the sea. And when this happens, they, they are, like you can imagine, you have something in your life that like it has uh, bound you for years. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a situation of life and you finally break free from it. And you see, not only did you break free from it from your own effort, but you saw God help break you free from it. They do what you would do. They start throwing a party. Like there's prophetic singing. You got tambourines being broken out. Like it is a time of rejoicing. And God comes, and he's rejoicing with them. And he's like, and I'm going to lead you to a promised land. And everybody's like, yes. And I think us in our life, it's like, well, that's what God's going to do. He's going to lead us to a promised land. And we go to church, and it's like there is healing for us, and there is victory for us, and there is provision for us. And, and you know, go with God because he's changing everything. And so the children of Israel are like, sign me up. And they have a cloud by day and fire by night that's going to take them there. In fact, their one instruction is just basically follow the cloud. Wherever it goes, you go with it. And it's a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the New Covenant, we didn't have a flame of fire appear before us to like, you know, take us to the, the, the land. But you see the Holy Spirit come upon as a flame of fire above each head. What is it? It's guidance. What's the guidance for? To take you to your promised land. And so in working with the Holy Spirit, he's the God of visions and dreams. He'll show you things to come. In working with the Holy Spirit, we get glimpses in our heart of what we could be. We get glimpses in our heart of who we could be. We get glimpses in our heart of family and glimpses in our heart of healing and glimpses in our heart of restoration. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's him taking us to the promised land. But one of the things that Scripture exhorts us to do in the New Testament is like, if you do anything, do this. Go read the story of the children of Israel going to the promised land. In fact, Hebrews tells us that over and over again. Go read the story of the children of Israel coming out of the promised land. And it tells us this. And read their story so that you don't become hardened of heart. Because the word that was preached to them did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith when they heard it. 
And the reason why um, they didn't get in that promised land was not because God didn't want to take them there. It was because of moments where they got offended and moments where they got discouraged and moments where the enemy did everything he could possibly do to make them give up, quit, go back to Egypt, and settle for the life they had right now. And I feel like so many people in the body of Christ, it's like, you know what, why even try? Why even try to reach a nation? Why even try to to change your life? Why even contend for healing? Why even go after these things? And so we just learn to exist with what we have right now. And God is like, there is so much more. Like what I showed you in your heart is actually what I have for your life. And I need you to get in a place where you are fighting to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so the children of Israel, they're coming off this moment where it's like God is great and his power is at work and they've seen it. It's not just theory. They've seen it. They've experienced it. They have literally tasted and seen that God is good. You know, I read this a couple of years ago. I thought this was good. That when rabbis, you know, back in those days would teach children about the goodness of God, they would come up and make them taste honey. And when they tasted honey, they're like, taste and see that the Lord is good. Knowing that most kids learn through sensory knowledge. And so when they tasted honey, they're like, that's the Lord. He is good and sweet. Taste and see that he is good. And so they have tasted and they have seen his goodness. And they're following this cloud and watch where the cloud leads them. Uh, So uh, Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22. And Moses led the Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore they named it Marah, which means bitter. And the people grumbled at Moses, saying, what will we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw the tree into the waters, and the waters became sweet. And there he made for them a statue and a regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and you do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of waters, and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the water. The Holy Spirit's leading them. They're literally being led by Moses in this cloud. They've just seen a great victory. And through this leading, they know they're on their way to a promised land, and they know God's got great things for them in their future. But right now in their present, they have just gone three days without water, and they're in a desert. Now, that's easy to read over, but I want you to think about that. I'm a husband, and I'm a father. I love my wife and kids. And here they are following God in a desert, and they have not had water for three days. This is a problem. This is not just like a problem problem. This is a life-threatening issue. You could imagine you are watching your little children be without water for three days, and you know you're in the will of God. And they're in this situation where the only reason why they are where they are is they are being led by God. And some of you are at that moment where you have seen the goodness of God in your life and based off the goodness of God in your past, you made a decision to be surrendered. 
And you haven't been perfect, and that's okay, because I haven't been either. If any of us were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. God doesn't ask for your perfection. What he wants is your surrender, though. And you come to this place where you have, like, like, I'm not perfect, but one thing I do is I surrender to the throne of grace. And I'm here, and I'm trying. And I'm not necessarily perfect, but I'm trying. And based off of this try, it's like, I think I'm being led by God, and I think I want to go to the promised land. And then you look up, and it's like, wait a minute. Like, why am I facing then something that's life-threatening? Like, why am I at this moment where it's like, this is not what this is supposed to look like. This is not supposed to be the way that it goes. What I'm seeing with my eyes does not match what I've heard in my heart. And I love that story of the prophet. He's like, he, he hadn't seen rain naturally in three years, and he's praying, and God speaks to him. He's like, you know, in my heart? I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And so he looks at his servant. He's like, go look. And the servant goes, look. And he's like, there is nothing, man of God. Like, there ain't nothing there. And I want you to notice the conundrum. What he sees with his eyes does not match what he heard in his heart. What he sees in the flesh does not match what he heard in his spirit. And here, what they have heard from God in their heart is like, I'm a God who wants to bless you. I'm a God who wants to protect you. I'm a God who wants to take you to a promised land. That's what they heard in their heart. But what they see with their eyes is their little kids starving. And what they see with their eyes is like, we have encountered something now that has gotten serious, Moses. And to make matters even a little worse, like they have a moment and a glimmer of hope where they see waters and they're like, Finally, like God led us to waters and there's a moment of excitement. And I feel like some of you maybe had that recently. We're like here and you know, in the past, it's like, I think we got an answer. And you go to it and like, you think it's the answer and you think it's God kind of taking you there. And then you drink up and it's like, it's, it's poisonous. Like this is not even the answer. And so it's like immediately there's like a faith kickback where you had something that you thought was amazing, and you thought, this is the opportunity, this is when it's going to change, and there's a little bit of excitement, it's like, God made a way, and then you taste the waters, and it's like, they're bitter, this is not good for me. And when you've been at that place, it's easy to be two things, it's easy to be offended, like, God, where are you, and what are you doing? Like, don't you see we are trying? Don't you see I'm doing my best? Don't you see I got a family to take care of? Don't you see I'm trying to change? Like, don't you see, I'm not just asking you to change me. Like, I'm legitimately trying to change. And when I go to these waters and I taste of them, they taste one thing to me. They taste incredibly bitter to me, God. And you're there, and it's like, I thought this was finally going to change, but then I slipped back into the addiction. I thought this was finally going to change, but then I go to the doctor, and they tell me it came back. Like, I thought this was finally going to change, and I thought, like, I'm, not, I'm at the waters, and, like, this is finally going to be good for me, but then I drink up, and it's like, I'm still not accepted. I'm still getting rejected. I'm still not fitting in, or whatever your pain may be. It's easy to get offended. And then it's real easy to get discouraged. And with discouragement, it's like, why even try? Like, why even worship like that? Why even pray like that? Why even give like that? Why even serve like that? What's the point? Because even when you try, and when I did try, it didn't get any better. It didn't change anything. It didn't move God like they said it would move God. It didn't help me like they said it would help me, and they get discouraged. And here's my comfort if you have identified with any of that. And I know this is not everybody, but I know for sure it's somebody. 
But in this moment, you see this, this conundrum in their heart. And Moses makes a decision to do something incredibly courageous. He makes a decision to turn to the Lord again. Because he knew in his heart, what I pray you know in yours, that God is not leading you to these places to leave you there. That the reason why the lion and bear is in your life is not because you're destined to be destroyed and it's your lot in life and just unfair things happen to you. That the lion or bear are in your life for a story of the faithfulness of God because one day there's a giant in your future. And out of that, when you slay that giant, you're going to reach a whole new level of life. But you'll never face that giant if you don't learn how to face this lion and bear. The lion and the bear looked like they were there to destroy, but they were actually some of the best things David ever encountered because there he saw the goodness of God. And I want to encourage you, there will be moments in your life that just like the prophet, you hear something in your heart and you're praying your guts out to see God bring it into your life. And everything you see with your natural senses tells you nothing is changing. And so you go back and you pray again and you, you turn on your, your worship music all over again and you pull out Maverick City or whoever it is you pull out and it's like, we are going to war on this thing. Satan's not going to have my children. He's not going to have my marriage. He's not going to have my family. He's not going to have my health. He's not going to have my... And you go to war and you're there again and you send the servant up to go look and it's like nothing is changing. And you know, though, like I know nothing is changing with my eyes, but I know something is changing in my heart. And I know I've spoken to the fig tree, and I know it looks like that the leaves are still on it. And I know I've been praying at this thing, and I know it hadn't changed in the natural, and God would say, but you can't see it from where I'm seeing it from. There's something happening in the unseen that you can take a rose and you can cut it off of a tree. And you can stick that rose in your house. And you know what? The rose will actually bloom. It looks like it's gotten stronger. It looks like it has gotten bigger. It looks like it has gotten greater. But what you don't see is it's actually disconnected from the root. And if you will just give time, you will see that the very thing that bloomed is the very thing that will die because it was dealt with a long time ago when you first took the cut. And when we get over in spiritual things, it moves things in the unseen. And it changes something in the unseen before it changes something in the seen. And the first thing it changes in the unseen is your heart. It's your heart becomes the carrier of a promise. It holds the promised land before your hands does. It holds the miracle before your hands do. It holds the child turning around before the child actually turns around. And the offense and the discouragement, it's coming after your heart. Because it knows if it can make your heart drop it, it will make your hands drop it. But if you will see with the eyes of faith the victory of Jesus before you, that he is the Lord who heals you. And if you will go to those bitter waters... And you will throw in the cross. They had a random tree. We've got the cross of Jesus. And throw in the cross and say, He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace is upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. And you will make a decision to fight the fight of faith. What is it? It's you following the convictions of your heart instead of what your eyes see in the natural. 
and say, I know in my heart I've seen the abundance of rain, so I'm not going to quit praying. I'm not going to quit rejoicing. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit God. I'm not going to quit Jesus. I'm not going to quit church. I'm not going to give up just because it got hard. The Bible didn't promise me I'd have nothing but good days. It said there would be evil days, but in the middle of those evil days, I'm going to stand with the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, believing to see the goodness of God. Believing to see his wonderful power. This week, I, I felt just strongly impressed to go back and, and read my father's journal. And in, in reading the, the, the journal, my, my father, he passed away when he was 44 years old. There are reasons for that. I've covered those in, in other sessions and messages. Uh, but... Two weeks before he passed away, he wrote a journal, made a journal entry. I found it one day. My mom didn't even know he, he wrote it. Um, but I was going through his office one day just looking for a book to read, and I found this journal. I pulled it out, and I'm like, what in the world? It's one journal entry, and other than the Bible, it's the book that has spoken to me more. And so sometimes when I'm just in need of encouragement, I'll go to the book my Heavenly Father wrote in Scripture, and I'll go to the book my earthly father wrote. It's the only book he wrote in his journal. And I'll let my heavenly father and my natural father speak to me. And so I opened up this journal. I'm going through it. And there's all these different parts. But he was going through a season of life where he was a little disappointed and maybe even a little offended. And he said the Lord spoke to him and reminded him of a woman in Scripture we call her the Syrophoenician woman. She's also known as the Canaanite woman. But I want you to read these scriptures, and I want you to see something. Watch this in Matthew, chapter 50, Matthew 15 and verse 22. There's a Canaanite woman. She came from that region. And she began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. And man, that's something when, it's, when, when the devil's messing with your kids. It's like it's one thing if it's messing with you. It's a whole other thing when it starts messing with your kids. And so she's at this place where she's desperate, but notice she sees victory in Jesus. Faith always sees the answer. It holds it in its heart, and she's got an answer in her heart. Jesus is going to do this. And she, she comes, and she's like, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My, my daughter is coolly demon-possessed. Watch this in verse 23. But he didn't answer her a word. And I feel like some of you are at that moment where it's like, I'm praying, and I'm not getting a word. Like, I'm, I'm looking to see this change, and it's not moving an inch. But not only does he not answer a word, his disciples came and implored him, saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Like, here she's got voices in her life saying, why, why even try? Like, why, why even, like, go and continue with this anymore? Just give up. Just, just learn that this is the way it's going to have to be. Like, it, it, it doesn't happen for everybody all the time. Like, just learn. This is your lot in life. And, like, get over it. Get tougher. Get, get better. Like, there's voices in the natural saying, like, just give up on this. Just turn away from Jesus. Stop talking to him about it. Stop asking him to do anything. And so there's all this resistance that makes her want to what? Settle. That resistance, man, I feel this in my heart. That resistance just, I learned to live with bitter waters. Life doesn't have to be sweet all the time. I'll just learn to deal with the bitter waters and I'll just drink from them and find a way. 
Now just learn how to live with it dysfunctional and learn how to live with it broken. And it's like it doesn't happen for everybody. And when she faces this resistance, watch what happens. Verse 24. But he answered and he said to her, I was only sent to the lost house of Israel. Now here's the theology behind this. At this point, Jesus was only there to heal Israel. The rest of his healing would happen on the cross when he heals the world and the disciples go into the world. So now she's got no answer. She's got everything is discouraging, but then she's also got theology coming at her, like here's why it can't happen right now. And she's facing all these things, but watch what happens here. She just keeps going, but she came and began to bow down before Jesus. And she said, Lord, help me. And he answered and he said, it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. And there is no natural implication for like what this meant other than like something that is exactly how it reads. It's like here's a natural moment where it's like she could be offended at what just happened here. But watch what she does. Verse 27. But she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now John wrote in the book of John, he said, if all the miracles Jesus did were recorded, if like we told you all the stuff that Jesus did when he was on the earth, he said the world and all itself couldn't contain the books. So many miracles. Like a lot of times the Bible just shortens it and it's like, and he healed them all. It's like if we told you all the backstories, if we told you all the stuff that he did, you would be amazed. But he didn't tell us all of them in detail. Why is this one in here? Because he knew that there would be somebody somewhere today who had become offended and discouraged and was just making up their mind that I'll just learn how to live with it. And he said, I need to show them a woman who will not be offended and will not be discouraged. I need to show them a woman who in the face of everything keeps turning to Jesus. I need to show them a woman who will not quit, who will not relent, that will lift up her voice all the more. I need to show them a woman who believes in the face of it all. Jesus is a healer. And with him all things are possible. And watch what Jesus said to this woman in verse number 28. I love this. It's like Jesus is like, and this is what it was all for. Oh woman, your faith, it is great. And it will be done for you as you wish. And her daughter, well, she was healed at once. See, so many of us are at those bitter waters where there's rejection and there's not being answered a word and we're wondering what is going on. But what we don't see is on the horizon of time if we will just keep persevering and believe to see the goodness of God is 12 wells and 70 palm trees that just on the other side of the disappointment, just on the other side of the offense is the wonderful goodness of God in the land of the living. That in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, God comes through and he changes things. I've seen him do it time and time again in my own life. And I want to encourage you. What God did for this woman, what God did for the children of Israel, he is the Lord God, your healer. 
And whatever is broken in your life, whatever is dysfunctional in your life, whatever is bitter in your life, the Lord God, your healer, can throw his cross right into the middle of that mess and take whatever is bitter and make it sweet all over again. But he needs somebody who will look again. He needs somebody who will contend with the fight of faith. Somebody who says, and this is what my dad wrote about the Syrophoenician woman. He said, she would not be offended. She would not be discouraged. She entered into the press. And I've got to ask you today, will you enter into your press? Will you believe that ahead of you is 12 wells and 70 palm trees? That ahead of you is healing and victory. That ahead of you is a miracle and a turnaround. That ahead of you is the greatest season of life you have ever lived before. That ahead of you is it all turning around and working together for your good. That ahead of you is a full restoration of everything the enemy ever stole from you. That ahead of you is salvation for you. That ahead of you is a breakthrough. That ahead of you is the wonderful goodness of God in the land of the living. Make a choice to look again until what you see with your eyes matches what you have heard in your heart. Look again. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for every single person who is listening to this At Lakeland, at Highland Colony, Father, I thank you for everyone online, everyone listening to the podcast. I thank you, Lord. That you would give us a conviction in the faith to know that if it's not good, you are not done. And to contend again for the faith that we once carried. Knowing, Lord Jesus, that ahead of us is the sweetest season we have ever had. Father, I thank you for healing in these rooms today. I thank you physical bodies are healed today in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for deliverance today. I thank you for breaking all bondages today. I thank you, Lord, that we'll look back to this day, maybe even 20 years from now, and say that's the day it all changed. That's the day the bitter waters were turned into sweet waters. That's the day we saw that there were 12 palms, uh, 70 palms and 12 wells in our future. Father, we thank you that today is just a landmark, hallmark day. For when the wonderful goodness of God spilled over into every area of our lives. We love you, Lord, so very much. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet, church.